0: Hello everybody and welcome to the fourth episode of the Double Coverage Podcast presented by the State Hornet. I am Matt Griffin III and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Sean Holko. Sean, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing pretty good. You know, uh, the 49ers didn't lose the Super Bowl yesterday, so this is a better Monday than it has been in recent weeks. Are
0: you still reeling from that loss? Is that what you're telling us? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, fortunately for Sean, there's no football to talk about this week, or I mean... Yay! (laughs) So we've decided to go. We're going to talk about uh, the Houston Astros and the recent athletic article on the Sacramento Kings, our favorite dumpster fire franchise of the NBA, but... Before we get to that, let's talk about All-Star Weekend that, of course, kicked off on Friday with the Celebrity Game and the Rising Stars Challenge. Sean, how much of either of these events did you see, and what were your takeaways from it?
1: Um, So the only event that I didn't really see too much of, um, and I did see parts of it, but I didn't see too much of the Rising Stars Challenge on Friday, but that's just because um, I was covering Sac State Baseball opening day on Friday night, and I still have it recorded on my DVR. It's just, it's been a busy weekend, and I watched the entire All-Star Game yesterday before I left my house late last night, so I just uh, didn't get a chance to watch the Rising Stars Challenge, but I still watched the highlights, and I was very satisfied with this past All-Star Weekend.
0: It's almost like the Rising Stars Challenge. is like a precursor to the actual All-Star Game, because, you know, It's not like all the stars that you're used to seeing. It's only limited to first and second year players. So we saw a lot of rookies and sophomores out there. And I think, in a way, it's almost better than all-star games, at least in previous years. This one was obviously a little bit different, and we'll get to that later. But I just like the idea of having, you know— players rotating in and out as the years goes on and seeing all the talent that comes through the NBA.
1: Yeah. Cause it really just gives you a preview to what's next, what's coming up in the NBA because, um, in recent years we've seen guys, uh, like Donovan Mitchell and, uh, and Markel Fultz, even before he really took a dive, we see guys who are, who are now in the All-Star game like Joel Embiid um, and Ben Simmons are a couple of guys from the Sixers. And then even this year, we see a couple bit of overlap where we see Luka Doncic, Trey Young. They were both All-Star starters last night in Sunday's game, but then they also played in the Rising Stars Challenge because they're both uh, sophomores. So it's, it's really cool and it's, it's a glance towards the future.
0: And I think what we also learned from this weekend is that Sean and I should not get into the prediction business. As my pick for Rising Stars MVP didn't even play. <laughs> yeah, he he was he was out with an injury, Mr. Tyler Hero. Yeah, he was replaced by Colin Sexton. Um, and in the Rising Stars game, Team USA won one fifty-one to one thirty-one. R.J. Barrett twenty-three points for the World Team. Eric Pascal twenty-three points for Team USA. And Sean, I know we just talked about it, but who was the MVP from that game again? It was
1: Mikel Bridges,
0: yes. And uh, and uh, who
1: would have who would have thought Mikel Bridges would have won
0: the the Rising Stars MVP? But uh, he did. I'll tell you, I've always had my I've always had somewhat of an eye on Mikel Bridges and Miles or, Bridges. Excuse just,
1: me, excuse me. It was Miles, Miles Bridges. Bridges. Yeah, it was
0: Miles Bridges. I was thinking of, uh, of Mikkel Bridges, but it was actually Miles Bridges. So it's further proof that Sean and I should not get into the prediction world.
1: <laughs> and it's also further proof that I didn't really watch the Rising Stars game because <laughs> I got Mikel and Miles confused.
0: Well, similar last name. Yeah, that's true. You can see that. On the Saturday night, uh, kicking off with the skills challenge. Hold on, wait, wait,
1: wait. The celebrity game. The celebrity game, though, you had Stephen A. versus Michael Wilbon. <laughs> Stephen A. was talking all that trash coming in, and, and it was
0: and, it was just as I expected from Stephen A. led team. The way he coached that team, the way he was pacing up and down the sidelines, yeah, I want to see more of that.
1: And the the last thing that I want to say about the celebrity game, and the only reason why I stopped you is because I wanted to mention this, but it was great seeing Stephen A. on the sideline get a technical. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was hilarious. That yeah. was my favorite part of the celebrity game. Um, and then we even saw Common, who's a Chicago native, he won MVP of that game. Um, um, so it, it was
0: pretty cool. All right, moving on to the skills challenge. Uh, man, this was not a good year for the guards this time. We had uh, guards going up against big men. All of the guards were eliminated on the first in the first round. It was very interesting to see. Uh, it ended up being Bam Adebayo versus DeMontis Sabonis in the final, and Bam Adebayo was just able to get that three pointer in before Sabonis did I think one of the reasons Sabonis kind of fell short is because he doesn't have the same kind of pace that you know Adebayo did he was noticeably slower than a lot of the other big men in the in this challenge but you know he still managed to pull it off and get to the final but ultimately bam Adebayo for the heat bringing it home Yeah, you
1: know, I really thought that this matchup in the finals was very interesting because you had Bam Adebayo from the Heat, DeMontis Sabonis from the Indiana Pacers. But how they got there is Bam Adebayo beat my pick in the first round, Spencer Dinwiddie. I picked Spencer Dinwiddie to win his second skills challenge. He got knocked out by the eventual winner in the first round. And then on the other side, Sabonis knocked out Jason Tatum, who had won the skills challenge last year. So it completely opened up the field. And I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but Bam Adebayo is different. He is... is a new form of the big man because we've seen the the big man evolve and start to shoot threes not only does he shoot threes but he can handle the ball very well and he could actually cross up some guards and
0: that's the skill that he brought into that challenge and we saw it shine as he ended up winning he also knocked out my pick which was pascal siakam so oh for two so far for me <laughs> Yeah, Uh,
1: and and also, uh, just real quickly, getting back to the the Rising Stars challenge, I picked Zion to win MVP because I thought he was going to have some flashy dunks. Which he did. He did have some flashy dunks, but what I didn't know going into that game is he was on a second night of a back-to-back because the Pelicans played on Thursday night. So he was on a minute restriction in the Rising Stars game, and that's what limited him. That's
0: what we call load management. (laughs) Yeah,
1: he's already getting the Kawhi treatment.
0: Yep. So on
1: on to the three-point contest. On
0: to the three-point contest, and this is the first win for me. Sacramento's own Buddy Hill bringing home the title 27 points in the first and second round won it on the last shot of the contest to beat Devin Booker and Davis Bertans in the final. Yeah, uh,
1: when's the parade? parade on Wednesday because we don't have much uh, we don't have much to celebrate here in Sacramento so is the parade on Wednesday I'm I'm looking forward to it but uh anyways last week here on the podcast you did pick Buddy Heald so I give you props for that I wanted to pick Buddy Heald as a Sacramento Kings fan but I chose not to be biased and and I also chose just to pick someone else so I ended up picking Duncan Robinson from the heat and he did pretty well but uh, Devin Booker, Davis Bertans and Buddy Heald they just really set the tone and that's the thing about the three-point contest is the first like, three four guys who go, they can go and they think that they do well, and then the guys after them know what they need to get,
0: and then they, they're able to top it, so it made it easier. Exactly. Going on to the slam dunk contest, a lot of controversy here. Uh, uh, we did mention last week when I picked Aaron Gordon that I would like to see a repeat winner. I was wrong. He did not. He is not a previous winner. He should have been, but he wasn't. He was robbed by Zach Levine, and... If, History repeats itself here as Gordon denied again by the judges by 1 point as Derrick Jones Jr. of the Miami Heat took dunk contest trophy. Yeah, and I I think that I was the one who initiated that conversation last week
1: saying, oh, we got two former winners in Dwight Howard and Aaron Gordon, but what I forgot was that Aaron Gordon got robbed in 2016 against Zach Levine. Um, And then I realized it later that week, so I just wanted to issue a retraction real quick. But, Mac, I thought that I was going to be able to come in today and be like, well, I was just predicting what was going to happen. And I did predict what was going to happen because I picked Derrick Jones Jr. to win this dunk contest but I don't know if he should have won. I think I think that Aaron Gordon had uh, had a shot, and we talked about this before we got on air. If you can dunk over a seven footer and taco fall, that's extremely impressive. Yeah. Along with a couple of the other dunks that he did, um, and it's really sad too because Aaron Gordon's probably one of the most prolific and entertaining dunkers that we have seen in this contest ever. And he said to ESPN's Rachel Nichols after the game that, or after the contest that he's done he's not going to do it anymore because he felt like he should have already had two championships and he didn't win either time so it's a shame but the best part about it is that we got some really quality dunks in a really good dunk contest which five
0: years ago the nba was really lacking i'd say it was one of the best dunk dunk contests in the last 20 years Uh, i'll give credit to derrick jones jr he had a lot of variety in the type of dunks that he did which is something i didn't get a lot of from aaron gordon so i can understand that in the sense of the scoring but you also look at Aaron Gordon he had 50s all the way up until the last dunk so and a lot of people saying that Dwayne Wayne Dwayne Wade rigged it for a Miami player he wasn't the only he wasn't the only guy who who voted a nine um
1: real quick Mac before we move on to the all-star game itself I wanted to ask you you said that it was one of the best dunk contests that, that probably in the last 20 years does it top 2016 Aaron Gordon
0: versus Zach Levine uh such a hard question but uh not having the tape to go back on it i think recency bias is going to affect me a little bit here but i'm going to say yes i think it's better than 2016 just because i liked the arsenal that both players had in the variety of dunks and the scoring that they got everybody was hyped for this dunk contest once it got once it got underway so i'm going to say yeah
1: yeah and 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 regardless of if you think it was the best better not better or whatever If you're putting this dunk contest in the same conversation as 1988 and as 2016, which are the two greatest dunk contests uh, of all time, if this one goes in there, it's a win. And I think that um, this was an extremely good dunk contest. So now on to All-Star Weekend.
0: Yeah, on the, on the on the All-Star game, team LeBron versus team Giannis, I didn't watch a lot I'll be honest, I did not watch a lot of the first three quarters because it was typical All-Star game, you know, not a lot of defense, a lot of scoring. Uh but the fourth quarter of this game was really something else, you know, once they turned uh once they stopped timing the game and it went commercial free trying to hit that target score. It's almost like it evolved into a regular season game with the way that the players were trying to lobby for fouls and actually score so i was really excited by that game team lebron ended up winning anthony davis knocking down the game winning free throw they win 157 to 155 mvp kawhi leonard that's another l for me
1: yeah you know kawhi leonard he came in and he was hot he was aggressive he made eight three pointers in the game and most of them were in the first half and he really just set the tone and team lebron they went on a tear in the first quarter they won the first quarter um, which got their charity a donation. Then Team Giannis stormed back in the second period, dominated the sec- dominated the second period, um, and got the donation for his charity. Then we saw the third quarter. I really enjoyed the third quarter because what I noticed at the end of the third quarter is there was just so much intensity. Like in the last minute, there were several stoppages, but that's because there was strategy going into it, and they were treating it like there was two seconds left in the game, uh, like an actual game. And I thought that, that was cool, especially just for a quarter. And then going into the fourth quarter, having it be no conversation commercials, untimed, target score, knowing exactly what they needed. It was cool at the end when Team LeBron needed three points and they all just kept jacking up threes (laughs) because they wanted to hit the game-winning three-pointer and just walk off. And then it was a little anticlimactic uh, having it be a free throw, which was the walk-off shot. But the fact that Anthony Davis missed the first free throw, that just added some drama to it. Um, I thought it was appropriate that the Chicago native won it for uh, Team LeBron. You and I were both right about Team LeBron winning, but we were wrong when it came to the MVP. And my MVP didn't even play because Dame (laughs) Lillard uh, hurt his groin last Wednesday, and I made my prediction last Monday. And he was replaced by the person we thought was snubbed in Devin Button. Devin Booker. Which was very well deserved and everything happens for a reason. Devin Booker ended up getting his first all-star appearance Um, and he almost won the three-point contest again in replacement of Dame Lillard so I just thought overall it was a really good all-star weekend. This format was questioned a little bit at the beginning but I thought this format was great and they also did a great job to not only honor Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, and then the seven others who perished in that helicopter crash but also to honor David Stern one of the best commissioners of all time we're going to talk about a, a bad commissioner later here in the show but David Stern was one of the best commissioners of all time and he got the honor that he deserved as well um, as we all know he passed on New Year's Day 2020.
0: I think they're definitely going to bring this format back next year they have with to. The target score they have
1: to it was such it was such a big win for the uh, for the NBA and Adam Silver
0: but at the same time it's not going to be as emotionally charged as this game was you know I think they both really wanted to win this you know for Kobe for David for all the people so I don't know if it's gonna work the same next year, but I'm excited to see if it does. All right,
1: we've gone a little over on our time, so now let's move on to uh, our next topic. Which let's let's get to baseball first, and we can we can end it with some kings. Okay.
0: So, as as most people, I'm sure are aware, the Houston Astros are embroiled in a cheating scandal, stealing signs, using cameras, and potentially buzzers to notify them of possible pitches coming. And they held, and you can't see this due to it being an audio podcast, but I'm using air quotes around this world, apology tour during their media session this week, and it just came off to me as so flat and insincere. Uh, this team, I don't know how they're going to survive this season without catching a lot of balls from pitchers.
1: Yeah, uh, I when I think about that, I think back to a video I saw on Twitter a while back, and it's, uh, it's a baseball player standing in the box, and he waits for the first pitch, and then the, the pitch comes, and he knows it's about to hit him, so he literally just catches it. That's what the Houston Astros are going to be able to do by the end of the season, because they're going to get fastballs thrown at them and their body the entire season, because... Right now, the other 29 teams in Major League Baseball, maybe 28, because we know that the Boston Red Sox are also um, dealing with their own uh, issues, which is the investigation is going to be revealed by the end of next week into what the Red Sox did in 2018. Um, But the other 28 teams in Major League Baseball all hate the Houston Astros. And it's really sad, too, because even as an Oakland A's fan and they're in the same division as the A's, I really like the Astros. I like their team. I thought that they had good players, good camaraderie. And then to find out that they were cheating and just cheating the game and – I don't like the Dodgers, but for the Dodgers to have a legitimate argument that they should have won the World Series in 2017, it gets right back to like Kings fans having a legitimate argument that something should have happened in 2002, um, which leads me to a question that I'm going to pose to you, Nomac. I have seen so many people, and not just regular fans, but like sports columnists in Los Angeles and in California, even around the world, saying the Astros should have their title taken away. They should just make it vacant and just say no one won the World Series in 2017 because the team that actually did cheated and it was proven. Do you think that that title should be vacant or just leave it to the Astros?
0: Title should absolutely be vacated. You cannot have a team that is so openly, brazenly cheating like that. And for them to come out with the flat apology that they did really tells me that they have no remorse for what they did. And for the MLB to not strip them of their title, I mean— isn't it just incentivizing incentivizing other teams to cheat? Yes. Yeah, it is because they can do it. They saw the punishment, no players got suspended because they were given immunity. So
1: Yeah, so let's let's get into that too. So Rob Manfred, who is the commissioner of Major League Baseball, he gave these players uh, immunity, which I think is just uh Some BS, and I think that Rob Manfred is scared, and I think he doesn't know what to do, and he doesn't want to give one team the death penalty, so to say, but this is the job that you signed up for. This happened under your watch. You need to do something, and he he refuses to do so, which is sad, and he even went uh, so far as to say he sent out a memo to the rest of Major League Baseball saying, don't target the Astros. Don't do this. It's all we'll separate. See.
0: We'll see how many people listen to that.
1: So so Mac, just talking about Rob Manfred,
0: I know you feel some type of way about him. So uh now's your opportunity to unload the clip. It was a very uh Rob Manfred gave a forty five minute interview to ESPN posted on their YouTube channel really? in which he said, you know, in a perfect world, they would the players and the team would have been punished harsher. But at the same time he also labeled the World Series trophy as just a piece of metal and Oh. How how dare you, as the commissioner of a sport, to belittle your championship like that, saying it's just a hunk of metal? That, that is such a weasel comment for him to make. And I think the biggest winner from this interview was Roger Goodell, because... I don't think we can call him the worst commissioner in pro sports when you have people like Rob Manfred coming out and trying to whitewash what the Astros did. Any team that cheats so openly and without remorse should not be proclaimed and paraded around as champions. And the Astros should not have a championship, and they deserve everything that's coming towards them this season and beyond.
1: And also the most ironic part about that in the Astros is that that was their first World Series championship and their first and only World Series championship with Have fun with that asterisk next to your name for the rest of time. That asterisk is going to be in bold, italics, underlined— um, because their their one and only World Series championship is so tainted that like I don't even consider it to be valid anymore. Um, and the last thing that I want to I want to say on this is that we have seen players from all around Major League Baseball coming out and just condemning the Astros for this and just going after them as as they should. But one guy who we haven't heard from until today was Mike Trout, who is the golden boy of Major League Baseball. He is the face of Major League Baseball. And he came out today, and he talked to the media. And a lot of people saying uh, involved in this as investigation have said, like, oh, the Astros were using, like, the buzzers, or they were banging on trash cans to, like, indicate the signs. And Mike Trout came out today, and he said know that he didn't notice the banging on the trash cans, but he said, I noticed the banging on the bat. It just feels like they weren't missing pitches. And then Trout went on to say, it's sad for baseball. It's tough. They cheated. I don't agree with the punishments. The player's not getting anything. It was a player-driven thing. It sucks, too, because guys' careers have been affected. A lot of people lost jobs. It was tough, me going to the plate knowing who, what was coming. It would be pretty fun up there. <laughs> yeah, and, I bet. And Mike Trout makes a great point, and I also heard this from some other guys, is that... The Astros, they ruin some guys' lives because they come in as a relief pitcher, and if you come in, you don't record an out, and you give up a couple runs, then the manager doesn't want to play you anymore, and then you lose your contract, and there goes your livelihood. This is how people support their families, and the Astros not only took a World Series championship, but they're taking people's money away and taking food off of people's place, which is
0: despicable. And for, for, yeah, it's a terrible situation all the way around, and... I don't understand how the Astros fans are so defiant against the MLB and all the other fan bases saying, well, we still have a title, right? That if that's really all that matters to you, then I guess you they really did win. And, uh, just like Manfred said, it's just a piece
1: of hardware, right? It's <sighs> it's just a piece of hardware, but, uh, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the rest of MLB retaliates, uh, retaliates. And also um, how the rest of MLB deals with playing in Houston at Minute Maid Park. Um, it's just going to be interesting. It, it the the whole 2020 season of baseball is just going to have a, a black cloud hanging over it now, and it sucks, but it's the reality of it, and. We've only talked about the Houston Astros, but I alluded to it earlier. The Boston Red Sox could get thrown into this right away as well because we know former uh, bench coach or hitting coach for the Astros, Alex Cora, went on to become their manager, win a World Series in 2018. And now the Red Sox are being investigated. Mm-hmm. So it could be the Red Sox and the Astros, which is just a shame. Yeah. But uh, as an A's fan in the American League, it's it's taken two of the best teams out. So um i'm okay with it but i'm not okay with the cheating
0: let's let's move on before i say something i might regret yeah so let
1: mac was about to drop some curse words
0: let's transition from one bad front office to another front office but this one's more locally so the athletics uh came out with an article about our favorite team the sacramento kings and the dysfunction and losing that is just seeping through every crevice of this organization it's honestly such a pain to have to read this and talk about this, Sean. I don't know about you. You know, man, I'm, I'm
1: kind of just numb to it at this point. There, there's not there's not really anything about the Sacramento Kings that
0: phases me anymore. So uh, let's get right into it. Yeah, The Athletic came out. Sam Sharania, Sam Amick, and Jason Jones came out with an article saying... And Sam Amick, State Horn alum, shout out. Shout out. Came out with an article talking about how frustrated owner Vivek Ranadive is with the team's current position and the what ifs on maybe if they should have drafted Luka Doncic or not which funny there were a lot of memes after the Rising Stars game with Luka Doncic and Trey Young smiling and laughing and everybody's like Kings passed on both of these guys.
1: Yeah, well the Kings, the guy who they drafted can't stay on the floor. And uh,
0: that seems to never be an uh, ending storybook. And, go and ahead. It's, it's really unfortunate for Marvin Bagley how he gets some of the criticism. I know he's had to like step back from social media. Oh, he deleted all the
1: social media accounts, yeah. yeah but used... um but there is the team Bagley Twitter account, so I know that he's still on Twitter and can still read some stuff if he really wanted to. Um, but yeah, he he's constantly being harassed by angry and bitter Kings fans, and that's not his fault. Um, and just in regards to Bagley, before we move on to the, the Kings themselves in this report, is that the only hope that I and the only optimism that I that I have about Marvin Bagley is when you look at some guys who were drafted as high as he was that missed as much time as he has in his first two seasons. The guys that come up are like Joel Embiid, Greg Oden. You look at those two cases. Greg Oden came out of Ohio State, got drafted, the Ohio State University, got drafted first overall to the Portland Trailblazers, and he kept having foot issues and knee issues, and he fell out of the league very quickly because he could not stay healthy. You look at Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid missed most of his first three seasons. He missed the first two completely and only played in 31 games in the third season. So he's a prime example of a guy who can be hurt early in his career and go on to become an all-star but that's just me having optimism about Marvin and his situation because he never stops getting hurt. It seems.
0: I so this obviously this article was referencing a lot about the front office and Vlade's uh, constellation of power after firing Dave Yeager and Brandon Williams last year. Is this even? Is this even remotely close to a stable organization? No. <laughs> no, you haven't made the playoffs in. Fourteen years. It's not a stable organization. But what do we do from here? Do we do we really fire Vlade Divac one year into a contract extension? And because um, uh, a lot of, a lot of people have been calling for Luke Walton to go. If Luke goes, Vladdy has to go with him, right? He's the one that brought him in after not conducting a coaching search.
1: Okay. See, I'm a Kings fan. You're a Kings fan. But the thing about being a journalism major is that it makes you set aside your fandom and it makes you just be objective and see things from a different perspective. And from the perspective of being a journalist, I really hate Kings fans. Sometimes it really pisses me off because some Kings fans, like one thing goes wrong, fire everybody start over again. And that's how we keep getting in this situation constantly. They were saying at the beginning of the season, after five games, Fire Luke Walton. He's terrible. Should have never brought him. I told you we shouldn't have fired Jaeger. Okay, maybe we shouldn't have fired Jaeger, but this is the guy we have now. Let's move forward. And then Luke Walton goes twelve and nine. Oh, he's great. He's awesome. Then the Kings go on that terrible streak. Oh, fire Luke again. And then after Luke bench buddy healed, what is he doing? Fire Luke again. Then the Kings start winning. So the narrative is constantly like a revolving door. And it really irritates me because the reason for this dysfunction is the fact that there's no stability. And the fact that they want to keep, uh, some Kings fans want to keep firing the coach over and over again. You're never going to want to, you're never going to have a, a good coach want to come to Sacramento if they keep seeing that. And we saw Dave Yeager was a great coach who came to Sacramento. He was here for three years. How long is Luke Walton going to be here? I don't know. But I actually think he's a solid coach and the Kings should hold on to him for at least
0: two seasons. One of the biggest takeaways from this article was, uh, Obviously, they were talking about Buddy Heald, you know, being moved to the bench. Yeah, that and was the centerpiece of it. With Bogdan Bogdanovich moving into the starting lineup, there's rumors and thoughts that Buddy is unhappy, and if the situation changes, he could end up requesting a trade away from Sacramento. How do how do we how do the Kings go into next season? Because they're gonna the the plan is to extend Bogdan Bogdanovich, right, with the money that they saved from the yeah, trades. Definitely. So. How does this situation work itself out when you have two starting caliber players on big money, but one's on the bench and unhappy and one's starting? Well,
1: I I talked about this, I think, when we first brought it up in this change, the fact that Buddy Heald got moved to the bench. Because not only did Buddy Heald win the three-point contest this past weekend, but he's getting paid $90 million a year or 90 million dollars in total for his contract to that'd be crazy getting paid 90 million dollars a year but some of these contracts are getting closer to that it's around like 40 for the max deals but anyways buddy hill signed a 90 million dollar extension in the offseason now he's on the bench and the thought that i came up with is Bogdan Bogdanovic and Nemanja Bialica, the two Serbians on the team, they have awesome chemistry, and that's part of the reason why the offensive uh, has been better with this starting lineup. So I think once uh, Bialica has to move out of the starting lineup eventually, once Rashawn Holmes and Marvin Bagley come back from injuries eventually, then... Um, then I think that bogey and belly could be a part of that second unit and just energize that second unit. But also it, it brings up a a different point that buddy healed. His efficiency has gone way up since he's been off the bench, but that's because he hasn't been the number one guy scouted against by these other teams. Because what we saw early in the season is teams weren't even letting him get shots up. Now with the second unit, he's playing against a little bit of easier defenders and he's not the prime target of the opposing team's defense. So, it's, it's really about trying to find that middle ground, and I think that's the thing that Luke Walton is going to um, struggle with the most once he gets all the guys healthy again. But that's the that's the biggest thing is just trying to get the guys healthy first because you can't really do much if, if you don't
0: have bodies to put on the court, especially your best bodies. And the article ended with uh, talking about people in NBA circles who really don't know what the Kings are going to do. Some think they should be patient with the situation they have. Others think... Vivek is going to get tired and make a major change. Personally, I don't see that major change happening at least not this year or in the middle of next year. If anything's going to happen, it's going to be next offseason because I think, you know, Vivek has bought into this plan that it's not going to be a snap fix because I think he tried that the first couple of years when we had DeMarcus Cousins and when he traded him away, he accepted Okay, this is going to take a little bit to trust these the process. <laughs> Unfortunately, I hate to use those words, but I think that's exactly what he's doing. Trust the
1: process. So trust the process. Trust the process. And I get, and citing the article, I get the reason why some people think that Vivek is just going to make like a quick decision as he do- has done in the past. Michael Malone is the prime example of that. The Kings should have never, ever fired Michael Malone as we see him having so much success now in Denver with the Nuggets. But as you and I are shaking our heads right now, it, it's, it's life as a Kings fan. So let's let's keep what we have right now with Luke Walton. Let's see, let's see how he can do. Give him a full season. Give him two full seasons and then evaluate him. Grant Napier always says after a player is drafted, I need three full years to see how that player is as an NBA player. Obviously, coaches have a little bit of a shorter leash. But Luke Walton ran a high-tempo offense with the Lakers, And then he comes to Sacramento and suddenly everything changes. But I keep getting back to it. It comes back to the team's health. If you don't have all the pieces for your game plan, it's not going to work out as well. So my biggest thing is not trying to rush things, which I hope Vivek doesn't, uh, doesn't do. As bad as the Kings' season has been this year, they currently are seven games out of the eighth spot. Still um, in it. So I'm still with a st- shout. St- still technically in it. I mean, the Kings are probably the last team in the West that still have an actual chance to make the playoffs because right now the Kings are in 13th in the West, um, and they're seven games behind the Memphis Grizzlies. But... You know, the Kings aren't going to make the playoffs this year, but I
0: would just like to see progress, and I would like to see guys get healthy. That's Ho- what I'd like to see. Hopefully, that three-point contest win for Buddy Heald can spark something in the team and propel them to a winning streak to at least not make it as embarrassing as it is right now. All right, time for the parade. Yep, and as we go prepare for that parade, we're going to have to sign off here. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Week 4 of the Double Coverage Podcast. For Sean Hoko and Matt the 3rd we'll see you guys next week.